0: This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Cutcher, also known as the Food Healer, and I am recovering from a really great weekend. I was one of the producers of Dance Parade, if you're in New York and you were able to experience that. So if my voice is a little wonky, I apologize. I was yelling at people for 22 hours, basically. (laughs) But today I'm really excited. I've got Dr. Taylor Truitt in from the Vet Set. She's one of our standard vets who comes in and talks to us about all kinds of groovy things. The practice is located in Carroll Gardens on Henry Street. And it's a really cute little clinic. And I've only heard fantastic reviews from everyone about it. So, Dr. Truitt, how are you today?
3: I am glad to be here. So happy on some Monday. I know. And it's raining and it's gross and everything.
2: But we'll add some sun and some happiness to all our listeners. Sounds good. All the dogs have been soggy all day long. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Smelling good out there today. But so today what we're going to talk about is actually, it seems to be that there are these myths that have traveled time and generations that kind of all of us know and... It turns out that they're wrong. And so I had a conversation about this last week. Patty Ace, if you were listening, uh, this is the reason this conversation started, actually. And so we're just going to get started, and we can talk about Patty's dog shortly. Um, First thing I want to talk about, because this is exactly what happened to Patty. Uh, She's got a little chihuahua. And she had the dog off-leash in one of the parks, which is typical. We do this in New York City in the mornings. And a pit bull or some kind of pit came up to her, bit the dog, and the jaws locked on this dog. Um... This is something that we hear all the time from bull terriers, pit bull terriers. The Chihuahua, needless to say, got pretty hurt, but fortunately, she's okay.
3: So, I want to talk about locking jaws. They don't officially lock. It is a common myth, but no jaws actually lock. There's no like clamping mechanism like you would see in a ratchet wrench. So, like, there's no hinge or anything. There's no hinge. There's no little grooves in the jaw or anything like that. Um, but what you're looking at is a it's a trained or not necessarily trained, but it's an instinctual behavior be, mm-hmm. in this particular type of breed. And we can talk about the fact that pit bulls aren't really breed. In a moment, it's mm-hmm. a breed type that okay. encompasses. It's a large umbrella of a type of dog, um, but these dogs, though they they have a, they've got game. They want to go after something. And when you have a small little Chihuahua, mm-hmm. it looks like a little squeaky toy. Yeah, it does. And they're running around and they're doing their thing. And all of a sudden, their instinct kicks in. And these dogs, they're terriers. Terriers go after small prey, yeah. rats, things like that. And um, all of a sudden, it goes from play to prey. And this dog's going to lock down. Not, not I'm going to use lock. Sorry, inappropriately <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, okay? <laughs> so anyhow, this is Animal Instinct Radio. So <laughs> but they clamp down, and they're not going to let go. And that's the thing. It's a behavioral trait, not um, an anatomical mechanism of these particular guys. They, lock, they clamp down, they don't let go, and they're not going to let go until either they are coaxed into it or they decide that they just are on other things to do.
2: You know, it's funny because when I first was told this, I was working with horses, and there was a bull terrier that was always around, and everyone's like, "Oh, keep away from the bull terrier because his jaws lock." And it was like, "All right, well, how do they unlock?" And one they let go. Well, I had a trainer like tell me, like in dead seriousness, "Well, what happens is the mouth actually has to fully shut, like it does, you know, normally, and then it'll unhinge and open, and it's like it's got someone's arm. So how exactly is the mouth going to completely shut without crushing this person's arm?"
3: So let's take a look then. Let's talk a little bit about the anatomy of the dog. Yeah. jaw. Okay, so if you look at these big guys, they have a huge amount of muscles around there. It's called the masseter muscles. Mm. Um, and that's what gives them their big blocky heads. And mm-hmm. so they have strong jaws. We're yeah. not going to get around that. But when they bite down, they have decided at that point not to let go. It's mm-hmm. not like there's a hinge mechanism or some sort of trigger or a spring right. or anything like that. They're just not going to let go. And that's because that particular breed has been instinctually bred into it mm-hmm. to have this idea. Same thing like herding dogs. We'll have herding dogs that um, you know, say Corgis, Border Collies, things like that. Yeah, that were bred to herd um, either cattle or sheep or whatever. And these particular dogs, they'll herd their owners. Oh yeah. Do they need to herd their owners? <laughs> no. Is it annoying? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. But these dogs just instinctually are going to nip at the heels. But yeah. they, and they nip and they don't bite. And that also it's the same idea as they've been taught to use their mouse, which is basically like using our hands mm-hmm. for these particular um, for these particular traits. And so when you're looking at generations and generations, you can have, you know, right now I've got in my practice, I've got some Portuguese water dogs. I take off. I've got three generations of these oh, guys. Cool. Yeah, It's cool. You get the whole, you got grandpa, great grandpa and puppy, oh. <laughs> and, but here they all are, you know, the oldest one being 10. So you yeah. can get generations peeling out really fast True. and you have these traits that are just bred into them. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get over that way. Anytime you pick out a dog and this is the dog that you're going to welcome into your life, you're looking at particular behavior traits yeah. to see if it's acceptable for you you know that's a really good point
2: and I mean back to the herding dogs actually it might be one of your clients now there's a dog that I know that lives in our neighborhood um, who is hysterical and he's he's big herder. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if this dog was trained to herd and then was rescued or something. And she had a birthday party for her daughter, who was four. <laughs> she and all up the, the kids, kids got real quiet. Yeah, she walked in and they were all like pinned against the corner of a room with the dog like walking around and just grabbing each kid and herding it. Because that's what they do. They can't
3: help it. Yeah, It's hardwired into their to do these particular behaviors. It's so wild.
2: It, uh, do you know uh, Do you know if there's any animals in the, in the animal kingdom that
3: actually has a locking jaw? Or is it's just something we made up. It doesn't make sense from an anatomical standpoint. I know snakes can unhinge their jaws. Yeah, they can. So there's that, that's but that's true. not the question on the table. Um, I don't know. Oh, you know what? Um perhaps crocodiles or alligators. That's what I was thinking too. But it's more the, um, if, but the thing is with them too, is if you hold down on their jaws, they can't open them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'll have to get back to you on that in the next year or two when I have time to research this (laughs) after
2: the baby and everything else, it'll be Yes, I'm having a
3: baby next month. Yay! So
2: it's like, that's a thing, and I think that's a damn good point of what you're saying, is the fact that if an animal could willingly lock its jaws, in terms of having to unlock as well, it mm-hmm. doesn't really seem... Like, if you're looking in my book, okay, this is Celia's, you know, Darwinism theory here, but, like, for an animal to have that attribute, I would think it would be an animal maybe like a desert dwelling thing where there isn't a lot of food and so it has to hold on to whatever it gets but if it locks the jaw on it then how in the hell does it open up the jaw to eat this product as well well
3: yeah it comes down to that too it's like what happens if it gets stuck you know yeah. it seems like from an evolutionary standpoint that wouldn't make that much sense yeah because let's say you hinge it too tight or let's say you break one of these mechanisms or something like that it oh just God yeah. yeah if it's like a ratchet it just doesn't make sense it seems more based upon strength that would be mm-hmm. you know the better attribute towards it and then intelligence Intelligence to be able to know that this is what you're going to do.
2: That's a good point, too. So,
3: these pities, um, again, the big umbrella of these guys, they're smart dogs. Yeah, I really are. like them. Yeah. Um, I had a Pitbull Catahoula mix who was a crazy. Oh, wow. He was intense. He was a. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was a big dog to own um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And with him, it was interesting. He actually came, he was a rescue. Um, we think he was going to be a bait dog. So, this oh, goes wow. into the entire thing of just, you know, training dogs yeah. to do things that. I find repulsive. Yeah. Um, but these dogs are trained to fight. And then there's bait dogs that they use to trigger these other dogs to go after them. And so unfortunately this particular dog that I adopted, he absolutely had some emotional issues that mm. we worked through, but he also could never trust most dogs yeah, because most dogs, when they came up to him, were not doing nice things to yeah, him. Totally. So we ended up um, actually, I rehomed him with my very dear friend who's also a veterinarian named Tanya because nice. um, his, his name was seven. Um, it still is. He's t- 13 now, Um, but he couldn't live with other dogs because he would trigger and he would just go off. Oh, poor thing. And it's a form of PTSD. Yeah. And dogs do carry PTSD. But when you've got these dogs that we've bred for particular jobs over and over and over again, they're just going to fall into the category and the pattern. Just like Mm -hmm. if you think about an athlete, they've been trained to do certain things a certain way and it carries over into how they function the rest of their lives. Totally. So it becomes hardwired into them. And that's what these dogs do. But they just don't lock. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. And here's a plug,
2: okay? Because that was so good, so I'm going to do this. (laughs) On Memorial Day, actually, (laughs) on PBS, there is a documentary called Canine Soldiers, um, and I had the director in twice, and we had lovely talks about it, Nancy um, this movie is incredible. I totally recommend you see it. There is, it touches on dogs with PTSD, and that's mm-hmm. what made me think about it. Um, I got to see it at the screening in New York a couple weeks ago, and it's really, really an exceptional film. And it's going to be on your local PBS on Memorial Day. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, check it out, because it's actually really, really fascinating. I've
3: heard about it. Um, I've heard it's really touching. I heard it's, it can be a tearjerker. Oh, my God, I cried. Like, so it was like the credits run, I was like, oh, God, okay,
2: so sad. But yeah. it's a
3: really, really great story, too. Nancy Scazzeri,
2: that's it. <laughs> all right, so um, let's go to the, our next thing that we all know that's totally wrong. Um, let's talk about designer braids. Excellent, <laughs> let's. <Excellent.
3: laughs> So I think of designer breeds, um, I think the Labradoodle crystallized the designer breed moment. Yeah. Uh, we had cock- we've we had cockapoos around for a long time. And, yeah, totally. But we kind of, it's they were like an accepted non-designer breed. Mm-hmm. But with the advent of the Labradoodle that were ni- originally designed, and if you actually find there's an um, interview by the guy who came up with the Labradoodle, hmm. he was a breeder down in Australia, and he was trying to find um, hypoallergenic guide dogs that had the intelligence and the working drive, again, the drive, oh. to um, become guide dogs. Dogs down there, okay. and he had no intention whatsoever for the labradoodle to become the thing that it is today. Oh no. <laughs> he actually regrets what he created. He's like, oh no. I created a monster. So, um, you know, and it's interesting if you see the quote-unquote real labradoodles uh, from Beverly Hills. But no, they're like, they're not housewives. <laughs> but the real—I've had a couple um, patients I've taken care of that were some of uh, the original labradoodle. What do stock. they look like? They're uh, they're actually they're great dogs. Really? Um, I will give credit to that. The lab- Labradoodles overall I think are really nice dogs. They're easy to train uh, when people ask for a family friendly breed yeah. that uh, is pretty hard to mess up. Yeah, Go with the, they're, they're the Labradoodles. Um, they Some of them do shed but the original ones they look like teddy bears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And their coats are really dense but they don't have the shedding part and some of them can not shed because okay. you can have the Labrador component of it and labs shed like crazy. Yeah, they do. Um, it's the poodle that um, takes away the shedding part and if you have a Labradoodle Labradoodle that's an F1 and then you go down the line, then Mm -hmm. you're going to take away the um, hopeful components of the the shedding part. Okay, And yeah, they're about, they're 50, 55 pounds. Um, Wow. Yeah. They're nice sized dogs, but they're sturdy. Okay. Uh, They get the sturdiness more of the Labrador size versus the poodle side. Okay. And um, they're, they're cute. And they're, all right. they're nice Then I've been seeing bad ones Because I'm seeing like ballerina ones So you know? there's, an, there's people who have done all sorts of weird things to them now <laughs> right. So because the Labradoodle became a thing And it became trendy And mm-hmm. then people started breeding dogs together That they weren't doing the um, background checks on them oh, no. So any good breeder worth their snuff yeah. Is going to do, you know, check their hips Check their genetic history Yeah make sure they're good breeding stock. And a lot of people now, unfortunately, are just mixing these two together. A lot of them are coming from puppy mills. Mm. Um, and they're making them smaller. So mm-hmm. there's like the mini doodles and the petite Ugh. something, something, whatever. God, I hate that. Yeah. And those are the ones that we're beginning to see problems with. And okay. we are beginning to see some of the genetic components that we'll see either from labs and more from the poodles, interesting. Really? That are coming up um, in autoimmune disorders. Um, right. Yeah. Perfect. So no. allergies, bad allergies. No kidding. Yeah, so things that we would typically would think of as you know, quote unquote mutts, and these yeah. guys are not mutts, and yeah. you know, people buy them for three, or four thousand dollars. Holy crap! Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. So Jesus, man, I haven't bought a dog in a long time. Yeah, no, that's oh kind God. of like the going the going rate. Wow! <laughs> and because people they'll bring their paperwork in when they buy these puppies, and oh sometimes God. the rate's still there. And I'm just like, wow, that's a lot of money for this little dog. <laughs> so, so basically, you're getting quote unquote a hyperallergenic dog.
2: But if you get a bad one, then you're getting one that has every allergy known to man. You potentially can. Awesome. But that
3: can happen with any <laughs> dog. You can have, and I've got mutts who've got allergies. Yeah. So I mean, anybody can have allergies. It's just kind of the luck of the draw I've got you know mixed breed dogs who unfortunately have hip dysplasia Mm -hmm. it is you're less likely to have a chance you know with these diseases with a mixed breed dog but it doesn't mean it's a guaranteed thing so what's the difference between
2: a designer breed and a mutt Besides $3,000 Pretty much $3,000 <laughs>
3: so, um, uh, You know it, It's something When I see Like these first generations Yeah Where like the mom Was a poodle um, And you know Another big one Is a Bernadoodle What's that? Bernie's Mountain Dog Poodle So how big is that thing? Um, they're about Jesus. fifty-five, sixty pounds. Oh, okay, that's not bad. Again, very nice, friendly dogs. Yeah. Bernie's Mountain Dogs are for those who don't know. Bernie's Mountain Dogs are big. Yeah, they're um, huge. yeah eighty, ninety pounds. Um, they're riddled with cancer, unfortunately, really? and they're nice dogs. So they're really easy they're, going. they're sweet. They have a lot of hair. Lots yeah. of hair, big hair. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: If you don't like to vacuum, this is not this your is breed. This is not your breed.
3: They should be in cool weather. They don't deal with yeah. heat, but they're really nice, friendly dogs. Um, so, but, um, you know, so I've got one, it's a poodle, um, not me personally, one of my patients, it's a poodle, um, and then Bernard Cross. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it is kind of a mutt. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean that came from Canada. But it's just funny because it's like, I was
2: talking about this recently, like when I was a kid, I was like, what is your dog? Oh, it's a mutt, it's a mutt, it's a mutt. Mm -hmm. Now it's like it's a Dalmatian Russell or, you know, like a golden I don't even know what like, you know, golden terrier. And it's like, what the hell is that? And why isn't that a
3: mutt, you know? Because they really are, but the thing is that people are subscribing to the notion that because it came it was purposely bred where they, you know, two people put this dog and this dog together on the purpose to make pup Mm-hmm. And they came up with a fun, cute little name of it. Totally, And that's the thing. And so people are capitalizing on There was a BuzzFeed post that was running around this weekend of corgis mixed with other things. Oh, God. And then, I'm oh not going to lie. They're all really cute. Yeah, I'll bet they are. But on the other hand, you're paying money for a glorified mutt. Yeah, you are, right? So... The okay. question is, you know, are we okay with that ethically? You know, would you have rescued a dog otherwise? Like, where if you hadn't gotten this dog, what other dog would you have gotten?
2: Yeah,
3: and then, you know, I don't judge um, usually. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but like, that's, that's the part a, yeah. that drives me nuts is yeah. because people are like. Ugh, my. And I'll be like, look, I just got a -a cockapoo. And it's like, that's a mutt. Like, okay. No,
3: it's a very fancy dog. So, but sometimes I'm still going into that though. And, you know, when people are picking out whatever dog I think is appropriate for their family, and there's times when I'm just like, you know, I understand that you want to know where your dog is coming from. If you have small children or if you have specific needs, or let's say you truly have allergies or things like that, then you need to know this dog that's coming into your house. Yeah. Is it a guarantee? No. But is the greater likelihood because you know the genetics, you know the raising, you know what this dog has Mm -hmm. gone through? Or not gone through Mm -hmm. And so you know It's a a decision That not every family Has to make When they decide To bring a pet Into their home Because if you have The wrong fit It's a disaster And then you end up With a dog That ends up In the shelter Or in the rescue system And everyone hates you
2: Because you've But you gotten Rid of your dog And yeah It's a bad bad cycle So Well we are talking About all kinds Of cool dog myths We have to take a break For about a minute Minute and a half So stay tuned And we'll be back shortly
0: This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters
1: We are
2: back, talking to Dr. Taylor Truitt uh, from the Vet Set, located in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, and we're talking about all kinds of doggy myths. Um, one dog myth that a mutual friend of ours and colleague, uh, Denise Herman of Empire the Dog, wanted to discuss was the concept about when you get a puppy, you get a blank slate.
3: No. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Next question. <Yeah. laughs> It's like saying when you have a baby born, you get a blank slate. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean every you're going to have a little nature, you're going to have some nurture, mm-hmm. and then you know the second you come out of whatever womb you come out of, you're going to start processing your experiences totally. And how you're going to process something versus how I process something mm-hmm. is going to be different. And it's the same thing with dogs. I mean, we'll have um, littermates that come in, and you'll see the personality differences totally. between the two. I mean, if anybody who's got siblings has probably has a sibling like I can't believe no, or related. I see what you're talking. <laughs> That. <laughs> so it's a nice idea but you're still going to have going back to what we were talking about earlier yeah. with the pity types you're still going to have genetics there yeah and you're going to have traits and you're going to have things that are going to dominate over other qualities and this is
2: the time this is the the topic that always blows people's minds if they get like the same type of dog over and over and over and mm-hmm. they're like well I don't understand because the last one didn't do this and it's like well yeah but they're all different though yeah.
3: and there's you know there's I think there's reliability in different breed types of mm-hmm. personalities you you can get um i have a frenchie and he's an introverted frenchie oh, he's not the yeah he's not the go get them, you know we're not to everybody frenchie he's more of an aloof french frenchie fair enough yeah so <laughs> parisian frenchie yes he's like i could care less about you <laughs> <laughs> What do you have for me? Nothing. Mm. So, and even then, if you have something, I will take it and walk away. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a jerk. I love him. <laughs> and, but you 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 know, but you go to certain breed types because you know that they fit well with your life. Even yeah. Be size-wise, fur coat um, yeah. personality types. But they're all going to have their quirks.
2: True. True. I mean, I had a Jack Russell whose favorite thing to eat was the crotch out of underpants. And it was disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. It's it was a big dog so, issue. So disgusting. He's not the only one. Well, and uh, but it was unbelievable. His yeah. dad was raised with cats, and so when I've, I would hear stories about his dad, i never met him, but he'd hang out in bookshelves. Like He'd climb up like a cat, and, like so sit like a Jack Russell Oh my God, Turbo would like literally climb, like I'd put my underwear on like, the top shelf, or like <laughs> lock it in a closet and come back, and they'd be just shredded. And just- it was like, where, how did you get these things?
3: You my know? parents had a Jack Russell who lived to be 17 and a half named Vinny, and he nice. was a rescue. He was actually seized by the police in a... T- oh. Yeah, oh, wow. a terrible case, um, and he was a, oh, definitely a fixer upper, and definitely mm-hmm. went through PTSD, and um, and then came out on the other side a really, really good. Dog. Oh, cool! But he would steal everybody's um, panties. Oh, god! And he would stash them in the garden <laughs> or in the fireplace. <laughs> it's, it's, the fireplace we always knew because there was always a mess afterwards. And then during gardening season, my mom would be out oh, in the god. springtime tilling the dirt, and out would come everybody's Cosabellas. <laughs> so, just another day for Vinny.
2: That's the worst thing, too, is they've got good taste. They don't take, like, the dollar panties. They're like, ooh, the $50 set. Ooh, these are nice. Or companies. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah, <laughs> actually my dog ate my best friend's dance belt. That was
3: bad. I yep. mean, if he's listening right now, he's going to be like, "Damn, you turbo." <laughs> it's so true. It's funny when they're not yours and it's funny when it's later. Exactly. When the time passes, it's okay. Yep. Until then, it's not that amusing. Or when the panties pass through and they don't go to surgery. Oh god. <laughs> I mean, that's what's this?
2: Yeah. Oh, you know what? Let's can we say this? If you ever see anything hanging out of your dog's butt, please don't pull it.
3: Yes, that's a good uh, rule of thumb even though that's your natural instinct is yeah. to pull through, but you can actually cause a Damage to the colon there.
2: So as horrifying as it is, if you see this, just run them to the take vet. Take them to the
3: vet. We'll yeah. take care of it. Totally.
2: <laughs> now, this is something that I'm really interested in because I've been seeing advertising for it on different um, websites and like some some articles, but really not many talking about anesthesia-free dental cleanings and how they're just as awesome as professional cleanings, like for us. And you know, if you knock your dog out, so I've seen an animal's teeth get cleaned, and it's pretty much the same as what we get at the dentist. However, they're not going to sit there with a dental dam and a little apron around their neck and listening to their favorite songs, you know, so they have to anesthetize them.
3: And so, can you tell us what you think about this? I would love to tell you my opinion on this. So dental care is a big priority of mine, and um, I've done a lot of continuing education in it. Going back, if I could do it all over again, I would probably do a dental residency. Really? Yeah, no more education. Um, (laughs) So, small bursts here and there. And I go probably... about every 14 months, and I'll do a couple weekend long courses cool. where we do stuff with under the guidance of boarded dentists. So here's how I compare it to people. Okay. So you can go to the dentist, get a full cleaning, and you know it's a little uncomfortable. They're up underneath your gum line. You've yeah. got to take x rays, um, and it's a process. Yeah. Or you could get crest whitening strips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the anesthetic free cleanings. So what they really? Yeah, it's the equivalent thereof. So what happens and they for people who aren't familiar, the anesthetic free cleanings, um, they will hold hold your dog oh my sometimes God. physically you- Restrain them. Yeah, they have to. No dog's going to sit there and hold Hell still for this. No. Um, oftentimes, it's people who aren't even vet techs, yeah. um, let alone veterinarians, because no vet in their right mind is going to do this. Nobody has the time. Yeah, No one has the time to. or believes in it yeah. because yeah. there's that. And they scrape the tartar off the teeth. So now think about when you go to the dentist after your teeth have been scaled, they get polished. And one of the most important things is that polishing because you're taking the microgrooves out mm-hmm. of the tooth. The other thing is um, when you're doing the scrapings, you can't get behind the tooth and yeah. there's teeth in the back that you just can't reach even when they're anesthetized and we have full mobility of the mouth it's hard to get to some of those teeth back there and get on the inside and get on all the nooks and crannies and you can't just sit there and take x-rays of an uh, an anesthetized pet and 50% of cat's dental disease takes place underneath the gum line
2: really so
3: like today I was talking to one of my clients who I'm going to do their cat's teeth on Friday and um, there was a tooth and I was like listen this tooth could turn out great or I might have to extract it I can't tell by looking at it it's just in that zone where I'm like, yeah, that's one we're gonna have to pay attention to. Mm. But sometimes I'll look at cat's teeth. And I'm like, oh, they look great, it should just be a cleaning, which I never say anymore. Yeah, no. Because then you x-ray them oh, and then you find disease underneath it. And cats are we can talk about cat dental disease on another show because that's yeah, a whole I would love different to, thing. Because people just don't know. You yeah, know? they don't. And so it's just you're doing them a disservice. So the teeth look pretty, mm-hmm. but they're really not in great shape. And um, there's a dentist who I adore, she's a veterinary dentist, uh, Dr. Melinda Loma out in California mm-hmm. and she's got some really interesting stuff on her website of dogs that came in, The what they physically saw, so pictures of the teeth and they um, looked lovely mm-hmm. and then they x-rayed them and underneath the gum line, this poor dog, you know, it was a schnauzer
2: Oh no, they um, always
3: have mouth problems. Schnauzer, again, genetics Yeah, exactly. Um, but the poor dog had just, you know, all sorts and ended up having oh. to have about 15 or 16 oh, my God. teeth extracted and the poor dog was suffering because the teeth looked okay, totally. but nobody knew what they were looking at.
2: I mean, I just, just... Since you said the polisher The only image in my mind Is like somebody going up With those polishers To a dog It's <laughs> like I mean, like Forget it yeah. I've mean, never seen again And there's
3: some Horror stories out there too There's this one cat Named Monkey um, And he ended up He had a non An, an anesthetic Freaking quote unquote Cleaning uh-uh. um, And they injured The frenulum The area oh, underneath you're The kidding. tongue kidding It abscessed And bad oh, Jesus. And the cat Ended up losing His life over this Oh my god So it was just You know Know, turned into this huge gaping wound it got infected and then the soft tissue just went Ugh. so i mean it really is your pets can die from this and while you might quote unquote be saving some money right now yeah. you really you're doing them a disservice because you're not providing quality professional veterinary care to them and you're not setting out what your goal is which is to help your pet yeah they look pretty exactly well that's the thing but and i mean
2: can you tell us also why what's the reason for dental cleanings
3: So you've got bacteria and plaque in your mouth. Mm -hmm. It's going to go up underneath the gum line. Mm -hmm. You need to clean that. Mm -hmm. And if you are prone to certain types of dental disease based upon your breed type or species, um, I'm thinking a little bit more about cats right now, Mm -hmm. um, they can have underlying lesions that are not detectable. Wow. And they hurt. Yeah. They hurt bad. You, some of these cats, you'll take x-rays on their teeth. And it looks like they've got a shotgun wound through it. Oh,
2: my God.
3: So, and the cat and the tooth looks pretty okay-ish. Yeah. So, we're going in there, and our goals here is to improve their systemic health, because we also know, too, same thing with people, is that when you have dental disease, it is going to affect the kidneys. Yeah. It is going to affect the heart. It is going to affect the lungs. And so, we want to intervene and stop those processes from happening. Yeah. Because I've seen it time and time again, where then you end up with these 14, 15-year-old pets. Their teeth are in t- 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 Terrible shape, and we are seeing the side effects of you know years of dental neglect, and then you've got the kidney problems and all that, and it could actually you know start them on the downward spiral as to why we eventually lose them.
2: Okay, so let's say you know Joe Schmo goes and gets a puppy,
3: yep. and brushes his teeth every single
2: day. Good for him. Still coming to you for cleaning.
3: Not as often, okay, but one uh, he's already in the one percent of dog owners. yeah, no kidding. man. so I mean I'll, I'll be the first of it I'm not even that good. I don't do it. And they've looked at studies on it. There was a study that was published oh God in the past 18 months or so um, looking at you know the uh, um, efficacy of owners brushing their dog's teeth um, and the frequency thereof you it. And it really is. I mean, if you think about it, we floss and brush you know a couple times a day, minimum, yeah. and we're still going in every six months. yeah, it's true, if not more. So it's a really good point. Yeah. So it's it's not a bad thing, and I encourage my pet owners to do it. Mm-hmm. But also, end all be all is that you know, based upon breed type, um, smaller breed dogs are going to be prone to more frequent cleanings versus the larger guys. Mm-hmm. Genetics. It's like some people um, they've never had a cavity in their life. Yeah, my grandmother. God bless her. I know. I mean, well, I so, had 20 by the
2: age of 12. Yeah, so, you know. so it
3: is what it is, you know, and you do what you can do, but they still need to go in because then it's those x-rays that are so critically important because yeah. we, we can only see so much. But the roots, you know, comprise probably about a third of the tooth is what we see and Mm -hmm. two thirds of it's the root underneath the gum line.
2: And I mean, I've heard from people because I worked at a vet's office that, Mm -hmm. you know, dentistry is just, you know, BS for animals. You just want to make their teeth look pretty and they don't need pretty teeth. And so I think that that I think people are I think the general public is getting better about that one.
3: They're getting educated on yeah. it. They're learning about it. And I think, you know, I, I take a full set of x-rays on every patient that we do. Nice. And that's just our, our hospital protocol. Mm-hmm. And when you see it, it's interesting because I'll use these now to go back and show the the pet owners. And oh, I'm like, cool. Yeah. I'm like, here's what we did. And they see it and they're like, holy crap. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is what we did and why yeah. we did it and why these teeth needed to come out too. Yeah. And people then, you know, sometimes being um, telling an owner that their um, their pet's teeth need to be extracted. It can be a little emotional, mm-hmm. um, and then we just go through them. Like, listen, they don't necessarily need them. Yeah, they don't have any sort of like social agenda with their teeth. That's true. So <laughs> it's, it's okay if they're missing their front tooth. In fact, it's sometimes kind of cute. And That's wild, yeah.
2: Is, are there like dental implants for pets yet? At this, yes, point yes, there are. Oh my god, yeah. If
3: you want to go big, um, you know, you can get into. There's some a lot of stuff that we can do. Um, you know, there's some Persian kitties that have um, they have little gold grills. No, well, they, they don't. And it's for it's for for medical purposes uh-huh so because they're just, <laughs> usually the two options are take the teeth out okay because of the condition uh-huh. that they're facing or if you you know if kitty's got a trust fund yeah oh my god i want to see a cat with a grill it's amazing because <laughs> <laughs> you know persons always have that chronically pissy look on their totally, face and they're like totally. <laughs> Like gangster kitty, here they, we go. Yeah, no, they really are. It's quite, it's it's a thing. But from a medically necessary necessary point, but we do root canals on pets. Um, really? Yeah, especially cool. like the canines where those are important teeth, yeah, and we are. want to save those if we can. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if they let's say that a dog fractures his tooth, which is common. Yeah, totally. Um, as a side note, right now, this is my little um, public service announcement. Those big knuckle bones will destroy your dog's teeth. Oh God! So if you want to come see me. You're right Give (laughs) them the knuckle bones Please don't do those though Um, They're really destructive Because you have a hard force You have a bone And you have a tooth Yeah You have them grinding together Something has to give And it's not going to be the bone What do you think about raw bones? They're destructive Still are, huh? Yeah, they will They'll destroy your dog's teeth So what do you recommend for chewing? for chewing. You want to find, I like there's hybrid products that are out there right now that kind of have like a little bone, but they have like, there's Nyla bones that have, um, you know, some mixed in stuff. Oh, cool. You need to find something that's going to give when you have the sheer force placed onto it. Okay. So if you have a hard chewer, you need that product to give. Okay. Because if not, the tooth is going to give. Yeah. And you can tell like the second I see, you know, it's a a certain type of injury. It's called Mm -hmm. a slab fracture and it's on the rear teeth. And the second I see it, I'm like, your dog chews, doesn't he? He's like, "Yep." And I'm like hard, right? And they're like, Yep, and I'm like, Yeah, and yeah. here we are.
2: And, and and chewing is part of a dog's uh chewing is kind of like a dog's cigarette. It's yeah, kinda of like they their moment it.
3: of relaxation. So yeah. they need
2: to. So don't like take stuff away because then they eat your couch.
3: Yeah, no, they release serotonin when they chew. Cool. Yeah. So they need that's to really have that cool. release, but we need to um, pick appropriate things. And right. you how know, those knuckle bones are nice because they last forever. Yeah, that's the thing. But, you know, when you're looking at a dog who's fractured his teeth, and, you know, it's a $1,500 surgical process to get those suckers out. Yeah. The, you know I think your decision Should be made with that I think so too And that's the thing too I mean pets are an
2: investment They're not like So many people think that You know Oh my god I got a cat or a dog Yay And then you go They take them to the vet And they're like Oh my god And I get it I've been there You know yeah. But like What is it I don't remember now It's something like The first year of care For a dog Is $4,000 And the first year of cat For a cat Is like 1500
3: Or something like that That sounds about right I think I saw something Not that long ago Perhaps in the times That the lifetime cost Of ownership ship in a major metropolitan oh, area was about $42,000. Holy crap! Are you serious? All in. All Vet okay. care, you know, pet sitters, um, dog walkers, okay, that's fair you enough. know, dog food, like yeah, toys. Yeah. You know. Okay. But, you know, that's... That's substantial. It's substantial. Cheaper then, than a kid, but, you know... <laughs> they don't have to go to college! <laughs>
2: so, so okay probably our final question. Yes. Um, let's talk about pet store dogs. Let's, okay. I hate this topic. But it's terrible. I know. Yeah, we need to talk about it. Um, I just got a dog
3: from a breeder in Oklahoma. That dog came from a puppy mill. But he has papers. Congratulations. That dog came from a puppy mill. But he's got 45,000 allergies. <laughs> so. That dog could have come from anywhere. Yeah. So, no, um... Here's there's there's the pet stores. Um, some states are outlawing them. New Jersey's on track now. I think San Francisco, San Francisco, just Francisco banned it. Yeah. Boston just did. Awesome. Um, we, as you know, New York City, we really need to get I on know, this. We're slow. Um, I think her name is Representative Rosenbaum Rosenthal Rosen something Upper West Side. She's she's a state rep and she's Good. actively engaging on this. So Good. if you want to go support a woman who does some cool stuff, she's also anti-declaw. Nice. Um, she's a smart representative. Oh, like yeah, she's in my district. I get to cool. vote for her. So, cool. um, yeah, we're behind on it. And they're trying, but the pet lobby, the pet store lobby people are pushing against mm-hmm. it because these puppies, they get shipped in and they're from puppy mills, end Ugh. of story. Okay. Um, and the other thing that if you go, let's say you decide you want to breed, right. and you're a specific breed, not to breed dogs. If you go online and say, you know, French bulldog puppy, mm-hmm. you're going to find these websites and um, they're very pretty and yeah. they're very glossy yeah. and they have tons of dogs from yeah. all over the place. Those are all puppy mill puppies What about the ones that are like
2: You know, oh, you're looking for a dog? Well, we happen to know someone in Arkansas. So we can ship your, we're going to put your puppy on a plane by itself for you to pick up at the
3: airport. So if you see any, like, I hate to say it, but you should have an open conversation with a breeder. If you're going to get a purebred dog, you need to go talk to the breeder, see the breeder. Um, If your dog is being shipped in from the middle of the country, and I'm from there, so I can say these things. um, You know, (laughs) there's a lot of puppy mills out there, and they're disgusting. Um, Missouri has more puppy mills um, than any other state. In the really? country, the, oddly enough, the Amish in Pennsylvania. I've heard, this. I've heard this. They're into the puppy mill scene. Um, and if you go to the website and wow. you see that they are USDA sanctioned or they advertise that, that is a surefire marker that that is a puppy mill. No shit, because they have so many dogs, they have to be regulated oh my god. by the USDA. Oh my god! So, and th- meanwhile, you would think like, oh my god, they're legit because USDA. It's like,
2: wait yeah. a second.
3: No, 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 because a real, a proper breeder. Wow. Is maybe having a litter, maybe two a year. Yeah, or they're going to invite you to come see. Yeah, you want to go look. I can promise you, you can find your breed nearby that you can go and visibly inspect what's going on right now.
2: My friend's mother uh, has been breeding tricolor cockers for forever, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, and she has maybe at this point maybe three litters a year max. Yeah, nobody ain't getting those puppies unless they show up. She knows where the dog is going. Mm. I mean, like breeders, good breeders really care about their animals they're not going to if you show up at their house like, "Can I have a dog?" If they go, "Sure, honey and hand you one, this
3: is not someone who cares about these dogs. No. Or they meet you in a parking lot.: That's shady but it happens Jesus Yeah, there's weird people doing weird things it's such a shame you yeah. know it's like and then it happens with these pups um, and I see this here in New York um, and you know in very fancy little pet stores oh, yeah. I've seen these dogs come out um, they get spayed at a very young age Too young, huh? um, because they're supposed to be spayed and neutered before they go out which I agree Jesus. with that idea so they don't go get more bread yeah, yeah. but on the other hand um, some of them they develop nasty pneumonias uh, yeah, yeah totally we had a mini um, little Australian shepherd we took care of who just turned out to be a, a dream dog mm. but she was hospital is with us for over a week oh my god horrible pneumonia and yeah i mean it was intense and it was touch and go for a little bit and we got her through it now she's fine and she's my dog's underage girlfriend but yeah they love each other (laughs) (laughs) because she spent that first week in the hospital with with my little snotty french bulldog
2: (laughs) and so what about these people that you know i was walking by the pet store and i saw him and he looked so sad and i just had to save him like what happens to those dogs in the pet stores if they don't get sold
3: so, that's actually an interesting question. Um, at some point, they will reduce the price down yeah. to get them out the door. Okay. And because they need to get them at, at that point. Um, yeah. I don't know where they're going to get. They're going to get sold, yeah. but they're going to get sold at a discount. That's also kind of a little like... Shady. Mm,
2: yeah. It just it
3: becomes product. It's no longer a being. Yeah. And no, that's all they are. It's just all product. It's so sad. It's an entity. I mean, Dogs and cats are property. Yeah, they are. And legally, right? They're Still. legally property. Yeah. And, you know, that's a whole other philosophical debate on as to whether or not they should be, you know, what they should be qualified as. Yeah. But their property.
2: And I mean, the one thing is, is that one of the definitions that I'm hearing over and over for animal respect and animal rights is sentient being. Mm -hmm. And it's a great term. But I think for a lot of people, it's it's almost sounds like woo woo. You know, mm. so it's like, oh yes, yeah, so we do our yoga, and we're sentient beings, that like, kind of thing. You know, yeah. So I wish there was a better definition that didn't sound like that. And it's just the tone of the word. You know what I mean? Like the word is right, but I, it's too like, ooh.
3: It's you too know? Th- I think it was Peter Singer that did some weird stuff in that category. Mm. Um, and he's, for those of you guys, who heard, he's a, um, he's an activist. He's a little far out there. Yeah, he very is. far out there. Um, Professor, where is he? At? It's Princeton, I believe. I think so. Yeah um so. yeah he's got a whole like super smart but woo yeah, yeah definitely he's... sometimes a little direct connection from pluto yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> Blood, smarty pants but there's some things that you can just pick and choose from it but it comes down to if you don't buy your dogs on the internet yeah i mean just general good rule right there don't yeah. go to a pet store they will at some point get hand up somewhere but you're supporting the trade and actively, you know, talk to your representatives about stopping these trades because mm-hmm. it's slowly happening. And in smarts, um, you know, more progressive areas, they are outlawing it. Good. Um, what's your Phoenix, Arizona? No way. Yeah. All right. So Phoenix Go can Phoenix. do it. Seriously. So, Yay. Phoenix. All <laughs> right. And they actually were the first ones. No kidding. Yeah. Good for them.
2: Seriously good for them. Yeah. Hats off. And I'm angry at New York City because we're progressive here, and we're so not progressive compared to the rest of this country at this point. There's some weird stuff that
3: just kind of lingers here. You know? It's just... It's
2: New York. I don't know. You know, we're busy doing stupid things right now. We're not even taking care of what we need to. So, you know, we need more, (laughs) you know, like, areas for people to picnic in the middle of an avenue. Yeah, that's a great idea. It won't affect traffic at all. No, we need a new
3: Penn Station. Jesus. No kidding. Oh, my God. That's a whole other one. But talk to your local reps. Honestly this is a, um, this is where it starts, is at the city board level. Cool. And that's where you can really have local impact on it. Because most people, what it comes down to is that, you know, no one doesn't like dogs. They might not own a dog. Yeah. But, you know, if you're on a city board and you say you don't like dogs, that's not Ooh. good for re-election. <laughs> but it really is. It's a, it's a very local issue. And that's where you can have a lot of great impact on it. Because most people get behind it. I think yeah. there's nobody who's going to be pro-puppy mill unless they own a puppy mill. Totally. Totally. So.
2: Or like I got my dog from a puppy mill and he's fine. I mean, just the term itself is—it just—it amazes me how shady the laws can be to protect these. Yeah.
3: guys. Well, they always come with something though. That's the thing is like any time you know, and every new puppy that comes in through my doors, we check a fecal sample mm-hmm. on them. And puppy, I've got puppies who come from you know great places, rescues all yeah. over the place, random places where like I've just found the puppy. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for the most part, um, most of them do have some sort of GI parasite, and that's yeah, totally just. The name That's of the game is, yeah. but the worst ones i see are the pet store pups really yeah because they've been bred through these areas where it's just concentrated parasites Gross. over and over and over again Gross. and so you're already starting off with a puppy who's at a disadvantage totally and then more vet
2: bills and then sicker pet and yeah. then you get upset because your pet's sick all the time and you're paying the vet a fortune and
3: yeah it's an You've got ugly... resistant things you know and it's totally. just yeah it's frustrating it's frustrating for everybody and most of all the puppy it's fascinating though in really a sick, really weird way. Yeah, I know, in a horrible
2: yeah. way, but it's like, wow, you know so. It's an industry.
3: There's money to be made and that's as long as there's money to be made,
2: we'll do it. That's the key. And I think that's the thing to remember is you know, it's and it's that's a good point. If you're walking through the mall and you see some dog reduced, I mean that's a pretty huge red flag
3: right there. Yeah. And then the question is, is well, do I go get the reduced puppy and get him out of there? And you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing. I know, that's a thing. But what do you do? Good and for the individual, bad for the population. Exactly.
2: Exactly. So keep it in mind next time you're looking for a pet, because it's definitely something that we need to end in this country and worldwide, for that mm-hmm. matter. Exactly. We are almost out of time. It Taylor. goes so fast. I know. I love talking to you. It's so <laughs> much fun, here. man. We have a good time. So we got about two minutes left. Any myth that you think needs to be discussed real quick that we haven't covered?
3: No, I would say more than anything, um, the myth that puppies are easy. So Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Puppies require a lot of work. I've yeah, had seasoned mothers come in oh, and God. tears over the puppy <laughs> to like the kids were easier. So, <laughs> but yeah, they are a lot of work and there it's amazing work. But, and when you have, you know, you get your dog and you go through everything mm. and you end up 18 months later with a really, really awesome dog. Totally. It happens, but they don't just grow on trees. Yeah. So really you plan. have to, every single puppy comes in and you have to guide them through this. It's totally. a, it's a guidance process. Thank you. Yeah. So where can
2: people find you to come bring their pets and do all kinds of groovy things?
3: Our amazing hospitals in H- Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, 577 Henry Street, um, between 1st and Carroll. Um, you can find us on Facebook at um, VetsetNYC. And you can give us an email at info at Vetset.net.
2: Sounds great. And it's a brand new practice. It's pretty. It's, it's squeaky Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. It's squeaky clean. It's spotless. All of it. So if you're in the neighborhood, check them out because they're super, super nice people.
3: We also have. We've got rescue kittens up for adoption oh, right no. now. Yeah, we've adopted about 15 cats so far this year. Holy cow. Yeah. Congratulations. We, yeah. They bring them in. We turn them out. Awesome. But if you need, we've got two sets of kittens right now that Aww. are looking for forever homes. Aww. And they're amazing. Cool.
2: So thank you guys for listening. I will be back next week with a brand new episode. <laughs> brand new episode. There we go. We're doing <laughs> We're a new it people. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, new episode next week. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's Animal Instinct Radio. On Twitter, it is at Food Healer. And there is a Facebook page for Animal Instincts. So you just got to look. It's Animal Instincts 73. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye.